Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that doesn't suck. Now, let's talk tech. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Event Tech Podcast. I'm Brant Kruger of Event Technology Consulting. Will Curran is on site with an event this week. But just to keep things going, I fired up the random adjective generator. So Will is the certain Will Curran uh, on site, and I am the boring Brant Kruger here in my new podcast studio in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as we're starting to get things settled in. But I am being joined today by Ashley Emmons, who is the co-founder founder of Mixtros. Not Mixtros, ladies and gentlemen, Mixtros. So we are going to be talking today about, about her technology, her kind of bend, and her story, much like we did with the folks that um, uh, we had the guys on that did crowd mics. Uh, we kind of wanted to get you know things from the beginning because Ashley's had kind of a uh, an interesting experience as she's gone from, as many of us do, from just being an outside person, uh, uh, you know, being attending conferences and things like that to suddenly finding themselves in the event business. So Ashley, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. All right. And uh, I I did kind of skip over your bio, but to be fair, all it says is serial achiever with big goals. So I think that's, that's a great bio though. I like it short, sweet, to the point. It's to the point. I think everybody has, everybody knows that person like in their own circle. So just think of me as that person. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about the origin story of Mixtros and how how it came to be, and then uh, then we'll talk a little bit about actually how uh, you know how how you made it happen, how you actually went from taking that step of that idea uh, to to making it go. Okay, perfect. Sounds great. So hello, everybody out there. I think it's good to give you guys a little bit of context on who I was before we started this company. So since my bio was so short and sweet, (laughs) I do actually come from an events background. So uh, all the way back to undergrad, uh, when I was in a sorority, I was definitely the social chair. So that was me kind of dabbling in my events at a very, uh, dabbling in events at a very young age. Uh, I went to college in Cleveland, Ohio, While I was there, I secured an internship uh, with LeBron James. I was working directly for him for like two and a half years. That was also another dabbling in events. You know, after I got through kind of simpler tasks like answering fan mail, they did, um, you know, as I grew in that position, they let me work on his marketing summit. So, you know, we had some of the biggest brands in the world from Coca-Cola to Nike bringing their seniorest, you know, marketing executives to Akron, Ohio to meet with LeBron. And I was on the planning team for that at maybe age 19. So very early on, you know, I got events, I saw it, I got that, you know, I feel like that high that we all get when an event is being uh, activated, you know, as per the plan with minimal hiccups, we'll say. Um, So I've just loved events for a long time. After undergrad, I did move to New York City. And uh, I started as somebody's executive assistant, and I worked my way up to become director of events over a very large hospitality group in New York City. So to date, I've activated events for everybody from Oprah to Leonardo DiCaprio and big brands like Coca-Cola to Moet Hennessy. So that's kind of my events background, just to put it in a little nutshell. So fast forward to Mixtros. I'm going to describe a scenario that I know every single person listening to this podcast has experienced. I was at a conference and I was very excited to be there because I wanted to connect with new people. 
When it became time to network, the event organizers suggested going up to someone with the same color dot on their name tag as me. Now, a few things. This was an all-women's conference, and women put their name tag on their breast area without fail. This dot that was on the name tag was super tiny. It was like the point of a Sharpie. And so, you know, me trying to go up to someone and say, okay, I'm blue, you're blue, with no additional context is very awkward. It's specifically very awkward in the digital age that we're in. So I did what many people would do, I feel. I ended up going to lunch by myself and I played on my smartphone and I caught up on the news, but I left that conference with not really making any new connections. And the evening of that conference, I was speaking to my mom about that experience. She scolded me because she was an H, she was an HR executive at the time. So, you know, waste of time, waste of money, yada, yada. (laughs) And literally over the course of one night, which was November the 9th of 2014, my mom and I, uh, came up with a very uh, primitive version of Mixtros, I would say. So I have to apologize because of the way that I kind of introed you, I implied that you weren't in the event industry before. And and I, what I was trying to say, and I did very badly, was that you you know you worked your way into the event tech industry from from doing so. So I apologize for that. You've yeah you've you've actually been in this industry for quite some time, and so have, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't that fully outside experience as an attendee. So I apologize for that. Um. So so you 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 got a hold of your mom and you're talking about it. What what then is the okay no seriously let's make this a thing <laughs> how does how does that how does that process go honestly we we talk about this like this comes up quite often and i don't know that besides the fact that we really believe in the product that we've created like we really had no reason to go forward with this. Like my mom and I, you know, we were both um, very comfortable in our careers. We were, you know, high, both of us high achievers doing very well. And, you know, entrepreneurship isn't in our, um, it's like not in like a near generation of our family. Most everyone in our family, you know, they went to school, got a job, worked themselves up in that job. And that's kind of been the trajectory. So it's not even like we have a family member that owns a restaurant, for example, who we could say, you know, what is this journey like? And then to compound this even further, oh, let's add tech to this. And my mom and I don't code, you know, we don't have formal technology training, but what we do have is a whole heap of hustle and street smarts. And so my mom was actually on a sabbatical from her last HR role. She was a global HR executive uh, for a company that was located in Nashville, Tennessee, the company IPO'd. So she was taking a little breather. Um, And so without my mom um, being on that sabbatical and being full-time on Mixtros from the jump, I don't know that the business would have went forward. People often say to me like, oh my gosh, it's really cute that you um, you started a business <laughs> with your mom. And I was like, well, that's not really how it rolled. It's more like without my mom, there is no business because at the time, frankly, I was still living and working full time in New York in events, which we know is, you know, it's hectic, it's busy, it's intense. Um, so yeah, without my mom to really push the business forward in the beginning, I don't know that we'd be where we are today. So more than just a, a, an angel investor with a with a vested interest in in making sure that you succeed, but actually a true a true partner in, in the development. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, people, we, you know, cause it's unique, like specifically in a tech business, like, you know, of course, family business is not a new thing, but like in tech, it kind of is a new thing. Um, but I think we're at the forefront of that because in fact, you know, there is a trend going where, um, millennials specifically are partnering with their parents that are, you know, baby boomers or like on the cusp of being baby boomers and the partnerships are working. And so my mom and I are a part of that trend, which I'm very grateful to be. I think think that um, being able to come um, at a problem with different generational experience is powerful. It helps you not to miss things. Well, and that's something, you know, we've talked about on kind of our, our sister podcast, um, uh, Event Icons, is is this idea of mixing the generations um, talking about diversity, not only of, you know, kind of the, the normal things you know, that are the things that people leap to mind, which is, you know, things of diversity of race, diversity of religion, diversity of background, but also diversity of age is one that is frequently kind of overlooked when you're trying to mix people together in a way, you know, that you're trying to get as many different opinions and views as possible. Yeah, I, I mean, I would absolutely agree. You know, I think, I tell people all the time, you know, people, you know, they ask me questions about being an entrepreneur and whatnot, like, what's your advice? And I was like, well, first of all, if you don't have a co-founder, get one. Second of all, if you're looking for a co-founder, please do not look over, and I'm going to say very specifically, women over 40 in your network, because <laughs> that particular class of person, they're dangerous. Because if you think about it, if it's a female executive who's over 40, However, she got to where she is today, she had to fight to get there because, you know, this is all pre me too, pre us too, pre them too, you know, all of that. Right. Where, however, that person got to the top, they had to fight to get there. And a fighter is exactly who you want to be a co founder. That is a that is an amazing point and and and, and such a, uh, you know, a, a powerful, um, Oh, words are hard, as Lindsay always says. Uh, you know, a powerful, a powerful way of looking at it. That, that again, you know, the, uh, stressing the importance of different kinds of diversity, um, uh, because that might not be the something. You know, it'd be easy to just okay, boomer or whatever, and and be able to move on. To reference that because, like, I cringed so hard when that happened. I like when I saw the video and all of that. I was just like, ooh, not good, not good, not good, not good. <laughs> Well, anytime you're writing off an entire generation or group of people just because, uh, it's never a good idea, no it's matter which not. direction you're going. You know, certainly as a, as a Gen Xer myself, you know, I certainly lived for, uh, well, I, to a certain extent, still am living through the, the, the stereotype of, you know, the Gen Xers are lazy and just have no ambition and we don't ever do anything, you know, with our lives and that kind of thing. And, and that also has been pushed downward towards, you know, millennials and Gen Z to a certain extent as well. Um, so, uh, and I, I know we're getting a little far afield, but I think, I think it's, you know, worthy of just making those points. And, and really when you are looking for co-founders and things like that, um, being open to those, to the, to, to folks with that have done the fight and fought the fought and have the experience that yes, fresh ideas are important and amazing and incredible and necessary, but there is also something to be said for experience and uh, having, having been in a battle or two on the way up. And I was going to say, and to finish that thought off so we can get back to the event side of things, um, what, nah. I would, what I would say is, I mean, I, there's so many articles as of late that say, you know, if you're a founder that's like 40, 50, you have a higher likelihood of success than a founder that's like, you know, 25, 30. And that's because of life experience. You know how to navigate yourself through things and you don't give up as easily. 
I'm not shocked by that statistic at all. I mean, mm. I, I, you know, it's the other the other part of that same episode that we were talking about on event icons is is the idea of the second life of that you know that you've done your kind of primary career uh, up until about fifty, and then that's the time where you know people start to get a little itchy and be like, okay, now what do I what do I want to do when I grow up now now that now that I'm fifty and and start doing that second career of consulting and mm-hmm. uh, you know education and those types of things, giving back to a certain extent to the industries. But okay, let's move back to Mixtros. Um, so, so you've gotten together with your mom, your mom's pushing you forward saying, okay, let's do this thing. Um, it, it's, it feels a little weird to keep calling her your mom because, um, what, what was her name again? Uh, her name is Carrie and it really yeah. freaks people out when actually either one, like I'm kind of in between a rock and a hard place. When I don't call her mom, people freak right. out. When I call her <laughs> Carrie, people also freak out, but her name is Carrie Strader and she is also my mom. Fantastic. So fair to say co-founder then? Indeed. Yes. All right. So, so you guys, so, so let's talk about the journey now. So you've gotten the idea and so you've decided um, to push this thing forward. What were kind of the initial steps in, okay, we've got, you know, this is weird with the dots and the, and the name tags, you know, what are those initial conversations look like as you're starting to figure out what that better thing might look like? Well, I think, you know, at first, you know, people really saw us as very like unlikely tech founders, but I would say part of what has made us successful in this journey is we really took our own experience. So I had my event production experience, you know, so I'm looking at how humans move through a space and designing a space that is great for humans to move through. It's engaging and experiential and, you know, they have what they need at every part of the, you know, event journey, right? And then my mom is coming from um, the lens of she is a human expert. You know, she's an HR executive. She understands how humans need to function when they're at work. And so we took those two expertises together, which is just basically human intelligence, human expertise, not to mention my mom and I, I would say, are both... um, we're just really great at networking. My mom and I are both natural connectors. I must get that from her. Um, so, <laughs> you know, we took all of that. And before we thought about software, we thought about functionality first and the, like how humans would actually use the products. It's been interesting because over the course of this journey, which started in 2014, I can't tell you how many founders I've um, run into, many of them men who said, you know, I, I had an idea like Mixtros, but it didn't work because it was too techy, meaning instead of building a Kia, they built a Tesla when a Tesla wasn't really necessary. We built Mixtros to be like a utility tool that is easy. If you have a smartphone, you can use Mixtros. Mixtros is for everyone. And so as we were building, we kept that front of mind and then we built technology to support that and not the other way around. I think a lot of people build tech first, human second. And I would argue that depending on the kind of software you're building, it certainly needs to be human first and then building tech to support what the humans need to do. So let's start getting nitty gritty then a little bit. So so you're you're thinking it through. You're, you're you're approaching it from these two different angles. You've got planner side. You've got people side. Um, how okay coming from not being in tech, not being in tech. How do you first start to find um, find coders? You know, find people who are going to mm-hmm. start putting this together. Like literally, what what are the first steps as you start to say, okay, we really want to make this a thing. Now, how do we make it a thing? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and that's a great question. I would say people love to get granular here because oftentimes 
you know, you'll hear people talk about a software and they just started the good part, like when they were raking in money instead of what they were doing at the very beginning. So the way we started is, you know, we came up with this idea in November of 2014. There was kind of a month lag and then the the holiday season was coming. And so I was going to go home anyway from New York City to Nashville. And so during that holiday break, uh, I thought I was going to be at home to rest before I got geared up for like Sundance and Grammys and Oscars and all of that. But instead, I had like a 10 day think tank with my mom, um, you know, who had been, you know, thinking and kind of pontificating on mixtures over the course of that month. And so while we were home um, during that think tank and I mean, all that think tank was, you know, we went to the school of Google. Google will tell you everything you need to know. I was like, that's <laughs> a, like an unofficial ad right there. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, can, yeah, basically find anything <laughs> it is like for people who say like i don't know how to do that like that shouldn't even be a phrase anymore like in 20 in 2019 almost 2020 you could figure out almost everything if you're willing to do the work and look for it so you know we started with what is an app how do you get an app developed? Like all these great (laughs) questions that we asked Google and, you know, it kind of told us what we needed to know. But the biggest thing that happened is over that holiday break, I realized that the CES conference was coming up in Las Vegas, a consumer electronics show. I had had customers exhibit there before and, you know, build out, um, build out kind of like experiential areas for customers there before. And I was telling my mom about it and I was like, well, I clearly can't go this year. So maybe we'll go next year. And my mom said, well, cool. You can't go. I'm going. And I was like, nice. Yeah. I was just like, Oh, okay. Um, so it's, and here's, here's the thing about my mom. Cause my mom is old school. So she went online and like went to get a ticket to CES and she saw how much the tickets were. And she's like, I'm not paying. (laughs) She's like, I'm not paying for this. Like however much it was, she was just like, I'm not. So she actually found the email address for the, um, the CEO of a section of CES called app nation, which focuses exclusively on apps. And she emailed him and my dad and I were like laughing at her. We were like, okay, you're so lame. Like, why are you asking for a coupon (laughs) like from this person that we don't know? And it was so funny because within 24 hours, um, the man emailed her back and said, okay, I get it. You're great. You're new. Come on free. And so, and I mean, not just discounted, but free, come on in free. And it's so funny what just happens if you ask someone the question, you know what I mean? Like, what's the worst he would have said? No. And then you figure it out. I mean, but you just ask the question and she got what she wanted. So um, she went on to app nation um, by herself. So she attended CES. You know, I told her, I said, you know, obviously mom, you're going to feel a little fish out of water. Um, You know, age group. I was thinking about her being a woman of color. I was thinking about, but you know, indeed when she got to Vegas, I mean, she felt like a total fish out of water. She was like, I was at this conference. She was like, I was one of, you know, maybe two women of color. And then of course the only one in my particular age group. And then I was surrounded by a sea of gentlemen in hoodies and it was just like a lot. Cause you know, <laughs> my mom is very out there. She came up there with her like snakeskin cowboy boots on, you know, coming from Nashville. Like she's so intense. <laughs> and what ended up happening is she, she went to a table, like a high boy table in a corner and there were two beers on that table, but she was like, who leaves like open containers in 2015? Like no way. So she just kind of like posts up there by herself and she's really observing the flow of the room. And she was 
um, she was thinking to herself, man, I wish mixtros existed today because I have that feeling. Like I have that so awkward feeling. I have no idea where to even start to make meaningful connections in this room. And so then two older white gentlemen walk over to her and they join her at her little table. And so they get to talking after a while. And so she says to them, why did you come? Why did you come over here? And those two people were like, because these are our beers. You're at our table. Um, long story short, those people became <laughs> our app developers and they've been with us since 2015. Oh, wow. That was not where I thought that story was going. I see. I was going to say, I was going to arrive at the point. I was totally arriving at the point. So that is a very serendipitous story. But I think what it goes to show is just the importance of connection and the importance of being able to speak to anyone agnostic of how different from you you think they are, which obviously goes back to the the, you know, the total core slash thesis of my business, you know, it's that connectivity between people. And so literally when you ask me the question, you know, how did we learn about tech? I credit um, our, our dev team and in particular, Bill Rose, um, who is our interim CTO, basically, he has literally, um, and it's so funny because me and Bill did not get along like the first year that... <laughs> that we were working together. <laughs> we were having like a generational gap, but as we grew, as our relationship grew, we really have a ton of respect for each other. And I would say love for each other. Now I actually refer to him as uncle Bill more often than not. Um, and, you know, he taught us along the way. He is someone that we found, I think it's so crucial that if you are going to work with an outside team to develop um, your product, they, that team has to believe in your product. It can't just be for a check. You know, I mean, like they need to believe in what you're doing. And because we felt that with Bill and his team, both here in the U.S. and offshore from the very beginning, they have literally taught us as we've gone along and, you know, vice versa. We have taught them things as well. And so it's kind of been an awesome partnership. From then till now, they literally, um, from when we signed with them, I think, which was officially like February of 2015, they worked with us on branding. So, you know, our uh, original Mixtros logo, um, they came up with it, you know, going through the color theory, like picking colors for Mixtros. Because I was such a maniac about our branding in the beginning, I, we've never had to go back and do a huge overhaul. You know, it was important to really use my expertise in experiential marketing and build a brand that could sustain you know, there's a reason why Mixed Rose is orange and blue. It's orange because Eventbrite is orange and that signals to the brain like activity, live, in person, excitement, happiness, all of that. And then there's a reason that it's blue because the other side is the technology piece. Um, and, you know, all of your major tech brands from LinkedIn to Facebook are blue. So our logo is orange and blue for those reasons. Um, you know, so that they helped us lay the track there. They then um, built our first MVP. I think it's very interesting that the way that I communicated to our, our app, to our developers in the beginning was I took a stack of post-it notes and I looked at apps on my phone and I just drew out the screens as I thought they would flow. And then I put that on the back of my bathroom door in order. I took a picture of it, sent it to our developers, and that was good enough for them to build our first wireframe off of. What's so interesting about that is I now know that Google actually has a similar process when they're developing a new app, you know, they get people together in a room and they do, they do this thing called crazy eights. And basically everyone draws the screens out on post-its and then for them, whatever they see duplicates of like, you know, people, 
duplicate what they have written or what they've drawn, that's what they put into the first version of the app. I find that fascinating. You know, I'm curious. You, 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 we're going down another well here, and, and I promise there will still be plenty of time to get to get down to what Mixtros actually does and how the product is today. Um, but I'm curious to know how much of the rest of your kind of experiential background had those kind of real world applications uh, to this process. You know, coming coming as you did from events and having that mindset, um, or maybe you know from the other direction. You know, you talked about that your mom had that you know was bringing that HR thing. What other like practical things kind of came out of that experience? like the color or or along those lines, you know, or, or design? How much did that impact your design? Yeah, no, absolutely. Honestly, I would say that practical experience, like, I mean, man, it has served us so well. So, you know, in addition to like the branding and things like that, it's things like, I know how to manage agencies. So, you know, we work with a digital marketing agency. Like I think coming in dry with understanding how the nuances with really managing an agency, like part of my experience, like I worked for an agency and then I've also been on the client side of working with an agency. So because of that, just, you know, I like, I feel like when our, our digital marketing agency that we have right now, I love them, but um, it was certainly a learning curve for them because they were more used to working with, like, let me say, like medical offices and lawyers and that kind of thing. And so when I came to them as a client, like I was, you know, quote unquote, guns blazing and they weren't really ready for me. But now we have such a beautiful working relationship because, you know, as a person who worked at an agency, like I know when they're trying to like push me off or when I can really get stuff sooner. (laughs) And like, um, I, I just don't play games with them on that. And they know that. And now we have a beautiful working relationship. You know, I would say it's things like that. In addition to that, Mixtros has garnered awesome PR. Like if you look on our website and look at our press page, we've been in, you know, Forbes, Bloomberg, um, Business Insider, like we've been all over the place. And so because of my background, you know, I have a degree in public relations, but also, you know, just in my years of experience in New York and whatever, I know how to tell a story. I knew that our story was unique and I knew that we could use that story to grow. And we've certainly done that. I mean, in fact, we speak pretty regularly now and speaking while it might look like, oh, like they're on the road speaking. No, no, no. Trust and believe speaking is a key top of funnel activity for me at Mixtros because if I speak and I run a mix, then people are like, oh my goodness, I need this at my office or I need this, you know, at my group or whatever. And so, you know, that is like a sales tool for us. And I mean, frankly, it's kind of amazing to be able to get paid to do something I love anyway that drums up more business for my business. Like how cool is that? And then I would definitely say on my mom's side, you know, um, my mom's something that she was like um, totally nutty about in the beginning was she was like, like from day one in Mixtros, we had a bookkeeper, like literally, like we came up with the idea And then like day two, it was like, oh, we got a bookkeeper. And the reason for that was my mom's um, corporate experience. Uh, When she worked for the HR company, they they were purchased by an equity group. So she was used to working with Apollo and having to understand like how you have to report back to investors and how those numbers need to be presented and all of that. And she wanted to ensure that every cent that's been spent by Mixtros, you know, for Mixtros is accounted for. And that includes the money that we put into the business ourselves, the money that we raise for our friends and family, and then the money that we raise from, you know, outside investors and so on. So there's there's one more uh, part of the backstory that I want to touch on, um, and that is the fact that at some point you pulled up roots and and decided to uh, to move uh, both uh, both you and your mom, right? Indeed, yes. 
So, so let, t- give us a little bit of the background on that and how that came to be that uh, uh, the hows and whys, because it wasn't just uh, because uh, you weren't digging the music in Nashville or, <laughs> or what was going on in New York. Absolutely. I mean, so let's say this. So the reason that I moved from New York to Nashville was one, my parents' property was in Nashville, to be honest. Like it just made a lot of sense for me to, you know, my overhead, obviously, you know, in New York, even as a single woman, it was high. So, you know, to be able to reduce overhead, get rid of the apartment, all of that, and really move back into my family home, which was a sacrifice, frankly, on my end, because I was already living my dream. New York was my dream. I was doing great in New York. So I was already living my dream. So it was kind of, um, I don't know, it was kind of intense for me to move back home after all that time. Like I, at that point, I think I was 28 years old and I hadn't lived at home since I was 17 when I went off to college. Um, So that was definitely unique and a learning curve. But the thing that I'll say that really got me to convert to either I need to be a full-time founder or I need to like get out of here is my mom was actually diagnosed with breast cancer in October of 2015. And seeing her go through that, go through the diagnosis, go through surgery, go through subsequent radiation, and now she's cancer-free, I'm very happy to report. Um, Seeing her go through that made me say, well, wow, look at this woman who had never lost focus on mixtures throughout all of what I just described. It was like either I need to be a stellar partner to her or I need to get out of this business and make room for her to find a stellar partner. So that was when I really, you know, made the decision to kind of convert over. So once I was in Nashville with my mom, you know, it was just really hard, honestly, from the very beginning of us being in Nashville. And let me say, Nashville is very, um, it is amazing at if you have a music related startup, obviously, because Nashville is music city, or if you have a healthcare related startup, because um, Nashville is also a huge healthcare market in Tennessee as a state is very big in healthcare. Um, so when we first got there as what they called, you know, quad outsiders, which is black, female, non-technical tech co-founders, like that's a whole mouthful. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, they were just kind of like, we don't know what to do with you at this point. Now, what I will say is today I am at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. I'm on the board. There's a photo, a humongous photo of Carrie and I in the halls at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. I am a mentor at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. So certainly the tides have changed. But what I will say is when we first started there, it wasn't welcoming. It wasn't really diverse and inclusive. You know what I mean? They were kind of faking it. And I would say now, because of the fact that, um, you know, leadership has changed and whatnot, like within the tech uh, ecosystem, things are getting better. They are trying to do better. You know, it's things like they now actually have a diversity and inclusion officer at the National Entrepreneur Center now to ensure that those things are happening and it's going and growing. But as far as our timing in Nashville, it was just off. And I say this all the time, One of the things that can kill your business the fastest is not being in the right ecosystem. And by right ecosystem, I mean one that is welcoming and supportive. Startups, you know, startups to growth stage businesses, they need support, period. It is your job as a founder to figure out where are people who get you, feel you, you know, want to support you, want to purchase your product. You got to go there and you got to conquer. And for that, for us, that happened to be Birmingham, Alabama. Um, In the fall of 2017, we applied to a program here in Birmingham 
to scale our company faster. And we got into the program and we set foot in Birmingham, I think for the first time on with uh, January 21st of 2018. And boy, oh boy, since then we've been off to the races. And the big reason for that is, you know, Birmingham's smaller than Nashville. They're a bit more nimble than Nashville. They understand what an ugly past in some instances that they have, and they're really working to make it better. And they are leaning into women and people of color who are starting businesses, and they are being incredibly supportive. Like almost all of the logos in the Birmingham skyline from Regions Bank to Alabama Power are customers of Mixtros. And that's honestly why I wanted to spend a fair amount of time kind of on the backstory on this is because I think so many times we do hear those stories that, like you say, start at the good part. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, we went through when we when we talked to the the guys from Crowd Mics and heard their entire story, which literally went from, you know, the same kind of origins of like figuring it out at a conference, like, wow, this is stupid, uh, you know, all <laughs> the way through there, you know, getting bought out, um, you know, you know, that that kind of full entrepreneurial arc. Um, um, is that there, you know, the, the parts that often get left behind are the sacrifices are the fact that, you know, you not only had to pull up roots once, but twice, okay. um, and, and decide, you know, and watch all of the things that you had, you know, had saw your mom go through while, while she's just charging the full ahead, you know, and then you having to then make that decision of, you know, wow, if she's, you know, this gung ho about it, you know, do, do I have to do it, you know? I should probably be a little more committed to it. Well, do you know yeah. what's so funny? Um, like, let me say these two quotes to you in this audience, and I think yeah. this will illustrate exactly why we moved to Birmingham. So I, when I speak, like in my keynote, I have these two slides back to back. The first slide says the Nashville no. So there's this thing called the Nashville no. You've heard this phrase if you live in the area. And basically like – it's like people will kill you on the way to no because it's in the South. So people don't really want to tell you no, even though the answer is no. And as entrepreneurs know, getting to know fast is amazing. Tell me no so I can move on. Don't just keep telling me yes to like placate me, right? So um, my mom had been at like a, a forum and she was asking a question and a gentleman on the stage, he happened to be a person of color as well. He said to her, I've heard of your business, and um, unfortunately, you're a black woman in the South, and this is just not going to happen for you. So that's Ooh. what he, that, yeah. So that's what he said, and that was kind of like the end of the conversation. And then my very next slide in the same presentation is a slide. It's a picture of us and the mayor of Birmingham, Randall Woodfin, <laughs> and uh, where it's at an event that we're having, celebrating when we raised over a million dollars to grow this business. And uh, his quote was, not only do we want you, but we support you 100%. Mm. That's a big difference. Uh, well, I mean, what a huge uh, vindication that had to feel like. I mean, just going from the, we don't want you. And, you know, almost, <laughs> oh almost literally, we don't want your kind here. I mean, almost literally. Literally. Uh, to, yeah. To, to um, you know, to, yes, not only we want, we want you, <laughs> you know, specifically. And, and so that's, that's got to be just a real uh, feel good moment for you. It certainly, it certainly is. And I mean, they're living to their word. You know, we actually, we actually just activated an event for the city of Birmingham this past Tuesday. 
<laughs> so they literally wanted you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, I was yeah. like, they're literally doing the thing. So yeah. So no, that that talking is the talk like, and walking the walk. And guess what? I live for people who talk the talk and walk the walk. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I think we've teased it long enough. I, it's, I think it's probably time to get into the nitty gritty. Let's let's tell the folks a little bit about mixed tros. Where you finally landed after all of that research, all of that development, all of that the the ups and downs, the hardship and pain. Tell us about where the product is at today and what it does. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys. I'm super jazzed about this. Okay. So here we go. Um, so when I, when I explain mixtures, like I find like when I'm on demo calls or like my team is on demo calls, like that kind of thing. One thing that we say is, so let's, let's relate mixtures in terms of Slack. You know what Slack is, the messaging, um, the messaging application. Yeah, um, I think most most of us at this point um, uh, that listen to this show a fair amount because it's come up multiple times because Will and I have brought it up in in tools that we use. Uh, we we talked about it actually in the episode dedicated to event communications. So I, I think uh, most of us, if not, go back, start at episode one and listen, and and you'll hear all of the Slack it, references. Right, well, so I'm a nerd. I love podcasts. Like I love I love taking a look at what others have done, so I can you know avoid potholes. I can learn, I can get to something quickly. And so with Slack, what I find fascinating and, you know, the founder of Slack says this all the time. He was like, no one was necessarily looking for a better way to communicate. Cause we all thought we were good with, you know, G chat, I chat, whatever, you know? Um, but in fact, when Slack rolled out, because they were offering such a, you know, it was just a beautifully designed platform. And because it did it so much better than all the other platforms that we had, people adopted rap adopted it rapidly. You know, Slack is one of the fastest B2B companies in growth ever. Um, so I find that fascinating. And what he says is instead of selling a messaging platform, what they're actually selling is productivity, like increased product activity. You know, what they're actually selling is um, seamless communication in an enter enterprise, a reduce in email clutter. That's all of the things that they're selling, not just simply a messaging platform. And so I look at Mixtros very similarly. People sometimes aren't looking for, you know, what is something that can make networking better? People aren't looking for it because they just assume networking is happening at an event or at work or at school or whatever it is. Yeah, but if realistically, you throw a bunch of beer and wine at a, at, a, at a room, then networking will happen. Correct. I, I'm so glad that you just said that because realistically, people go the field of dreams route with, uh, with uh, networking. Like if you build it, they will come. Okay, they will come, but they're not going to network. Um, when you really want to set people up for successful, uh, successful networking, you have to be intentional about it. And so Mixtros isn't just selling the fact that we mix people together and we provide data. What we are selling is a proactive way to connect people and learn about them and make smarter decisions. And it is a, it's a purchase that makes sense for the savvy event producer, for the savvy HR person for the savvy admissions person within an educational institution because realistically when I'm selling into education for example what I say is you know the purchase or the cost of a mix if one student in that mixture session makes a connection that leads them to feel more um leads them to feel more part of the campus community and stays on your campus, Mixtros pays for itself times, I don't know, times 10, okay? So when we get to the nitty-gritty of what Mixtros actually does, so Brent, let's pretend that you and I are going to a conference today. 
Okay. Um, let's say that we're walking into the conference right now and we are told by um, the people at registration, go ahead and launch the Mixtros app. Mixtros is going to get you your lunchtime seat for today. So you and I would go into the event and in about two and a half minutes, we would go through the Mixtros profile interface. So I would launch the application. I would then see a branded screen, you know, that is branded, you know, for the conference or whomever is sponsoring the app at this conference. We would then do a virtual virtual name tag. So that's name, email address, and snapping a selfie. Um, We do the snapping of the selfie because people look vastly different from day to day, specifically (laughs) women, hair up, down. We also found in beta testing that when we let people pick their own pictures, they pick the craziest things like their dog, you know, baby, like, you know, all these things. And we just really need to know what you look like today. That's going to make it easier for your group to find you. And then we simply ask you for your name and email address because that's easy information that everyone has top of mind. When you start asking people to log in through third-party apps, it gives them pause because people understand today what a data breach is. So again, that's us really paying attention to human behavior. So after you get through that, Inside of the app, you are asked 10 multiple choice questions. Those questions are customized by our customers ahead of time. So depending on, you know, what the point of the conference is, they ask questions that correlate to that. And then the cool thing is, and this is what makes us different from anything else that's out there on the market, you're, you as an organizer are able to weight each question. So let's say question one is, I traveled from, and your choices are north, south, east, west. As the organizer, you can say, group all people that came from the north in the same grouping. Or you can say, give me a mixture of all these answers in my groupings. Or finally, you can just collect that data and it won't have any bearing on the groupings that are made. So after the attendee gets through the series of 10 questions, they are done. They will reach a countdown clock and they can background mixtures. And so until lunchtime, they just continue on with the event run of show you know, as they would normally. And then about 10 minutes before lunch, everyone simultaneously gets a push notification. It shows you the group you've been matched with and which table you're going to. Uh, Once your group gets to the table and checks in inside of the app, conversation starters are provided to get the conversation started. Um, Also, you get to see the group data. You can see why your group was actually matched. So you can see, you know, uh, six of us travel from the north and we like the color blue and, you know, whatever else. And what's amazing to see each and every time we run a mix is humanity kicks back in. People just naturally start doing what they do when they um, when they collide with new people. But Mick, what Mixtros has done is provided them a crutch, let's say, to ensure that that connection actually happens. And then at the same time, all of the data that's been collected, you know, survey style in the app is visualized immediately for event organizer. They can download it, share it, all of that good stuff. So Mixtros is a tool that increases engagement and collects data where 50 or more are gathered. Boom. Well, okay. Thanks, everybody. No, no, yeah, wait, wait. Thank you and good night. <laughs> no, but I, I, that's what, one of the things that I actually like, like about it. One of the reasons that I wanted to have you guys on is that um, it, it is a product that is easy to understand and it's easy to um, uh, kind of wrap your head around. And it does actually in a way that a lot of some of the other ones uh, don't uh, so- solve, you know, the simple simplest of problems of the the old, you know, colored dot on the name tag thing, um, and how 
you mix people and all of those things up, um, you know, is is obviously totally under control of the planner and and but something that you can put some thought into in advance of how you do and don't want people to mix. And that was one of the features that I that really kind of stuck out to me as as we originally talked was this idea of you know if you want okay yes everyone from the north to be together and everyone in the south to be together, but then the intentional mixing based on how they answered those questions um, can really be a powerful thing. You know, almost going back to the to the diversity of thought conversation that we were having earlier. That you know, having this ability to to kind of subcategorize the the folks and get people together uh, intentionally based on how those answer how they answer those questions, I, I think has a, a lot of potential. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. That's what we find. You know, our customers and the use cases they use mixtures for, like, it honestly fascinates me. I went with the example of lunch because that's certainly, you know, one of our customers' favorite use cases, like lunch or dinner seating, because again, that is a great time to connect, but humans naturally sit with people they know. Like, if I'm going to a conference, if I'm not thinking about it, I'm going to sit next to my mom. I don't need to sit next to my mom. I know her super well. You know, that is an extraordinary (laughs) time for me to meet someone else, like to figure out what synergy I have with that person, you know, then already just sit with someone that I know. You know, one use case that sticks out to me is um, one of our customers is the Kauffman Foundation. And um, they had a conference where they were bringing in like ecosystem builders from all over the United States and actually some internationally. And there were 500 people in a room and they needed to divvy those people up into project teams. And Mixtros was used to facilitate that. You know, all 500 get in the software in seconds. It breaks them up into teams based on where they came from, what issues they are, you know, what issues are most prevalent like in their area, you know, what are they most interested in learning, et cetera, and so on. They broke up into those teams and magic happens. Like, I mean, it's things like that that are extraordinary. You know, I I heard a story recently of um, an event that happened in New Orleans. And once people were broken up into their groups, there was a young woman in a group and she was a law student in New Orleans. And she had mentioned to her group, you know, I'm a law student. There's actually a judge here locally that I would love to clerk for. And, you know, that's what I'm interested in, in right now. And somebody asked her the name of the judge. She said the name. And that person um, said, oh, actually, I had breakfast with that judge this morning. And he's right over there. Let me introduce you. <laughs> like, how amazing is that? You know, you again, it's like it's kind of like not an exact science because, you know, it's algorithm based. It's based on who shows up and how they answer questions and all of that. But goodness gracious, it's amazing to um, be able to be a catalyst for that sort of thing. That's what really excites me, because, frankly, that's exactly how I got the LeBron internship. I do believe that we are all one degree, one connection, one hello away from you know, our own LeBron moment. Well, and getting up and getting, you know, not sitting down with the folks that you you you, you always do. Um, and it's 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 amazing what that can do. I, it does feel like sometimes there's this almost subliminal uh, thing of, of of birds of a feather type thing, um, where to the point where literally at one I was at a conference and I uh, had you know a couple of they had the tiny little buffet plates and I had a couple you know one a couple <laughs> in each hand and I'm struggling I'm trying to find just a place to you know sit down and, and eat and I stumble my way up to a high boy and I set them and I set the, the plates down and the person says hi brand and it was a co-worker a former co-worker of mine it's like <laughs> i was i literally wasn't trying i wasn't looking and i just somehow still wound up uh, you know sitting next to somebody that i already knew 
I can I just say I appreciate you so saying that birds of a feather thing because like you said, you know, you learn a lot over the course of this entrepreneurial journey. So today I can tell y'all um, that birds of a feather thing is real. It's actually a sociological phenomenon known as homophily. It was studied in depth at Columbia University. I always love it when when folks when I can throw out a random metaphor like that and someone can just slam with the knowledge bomb right after that. <laughs> oh, it makes it all makes me feel like I almost planned that, right? It's like I told y'all, like I'm a nerd, like I'm a nerd. Like if you look at my Instagram, you might be like, "Oh, that's a cool girl." No, I'm telling y'all, I'm very, I'm, <laughs> I'm yeah. very in my head. <laughs> Awesome. All right. So, all right. A couple more questions here as we wind down. So, uh, first of all, I have to ask, um, uh, you know, is there anything that we, we, we didn't cover that you feel like we still need to? Um, no, well, the one thing that I would say you kind of, you asked, and I, didn't, I don't know if I answered this question fully, like, where are we today? <laughs> like, that's okay, a good question. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's, how, yeah, how's, we've got the whole journey and what's the, what's the status of the company today? Yeah, you know, we're in that fun growth stage. Like, like this was the first year I have ever had a 2020 marketing meeting. Like I had a, a, a like a planning meeting about a new year, like a month and a half before the new year hits. Like that's very exciting to me. Like, especially, you know, before, before this year, um, 2019, the mixed rows team was literally my mom, myself, our part-time bookkeeper and our dev team. That was it. Now I have a team team sitting here with me in Birmingham, working on this business, building this business, getting this business out there. And it just excites me greatly. So, I mean, we are, we recently launched the third version of Mixtros. So we call the version before the third version um, Old Faithful. Like it did what it needed to do, but it wasn't necessarily cute. Like it wasn't pretty. Um, but now we certainly have the pretty, sexy, sleek version. You know, we're built for any um, tech nerds out there. We're built on the same tech stacks as like, you know, LinkedIn's app and Facebook's app and all that. Um, so that's very exciting to me. Um, because of that, we can iterate quite rapidly. So kind of as I look down, um, down, you know, in our next few months, like something that I'm very excited about is not only will we have Mixtros available as an uh, application, but we'll also have it available as a web app, like a progressive web app, meaning that no download will be necessary. So, you know, while the app works great, and in fact, we actually experience 85% or higher uh uh, user adoption with Mixtros at the events that we do. And that's because of our customer success and the way we position Mixtros into events. Um, you know, uh, having a web app will further reduce the friction specifically in our conferencing vertical inside of an enterprise and a, um, education. That's not really um, too much of a concern because people end up put mixture, putting Mixtros on their phone because they're using it over and over at different different events, you know, within the system. So that's kind of where we are. It's just an exciting place of planning. We've reached a new level of understanding with our customer. I love learning about them. I love seeing what they do with our software. And so we're looking forward to expanding upon that. And, you know, every once in a while, someone throws a curveball at us. Like, I'll get a call from a bride who has read about us and said, can I use this at my rehearsal dinner? And I'm like, heck, yes, you can. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, no. So, I, that those are the things that kind of really excite me. And, um yeah, I mean, we're just – we're in a – it's a scary place to be for sure because, you know, it's just – 
when you're in business like this, like I think it's, uh, and I think you can probably relate to this, it's, it's, it's extremely high highs and extremely low lows and then everything in between, but you just kind of got to take it in stride. Like, I feel like I have seen the best and worst in myself, you know, over the course of this journey, but I honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, great. I mean, I mean, it sounds like you're in a great position and I definitely wish, wish you the best of luck uh, with the product. Um, uh, real quick, uh, before we start to wrap up, I did it did occur to me, and I can't remember if you said this earlier or not, but is this a, an App Store app or something that uh, is, a, is a web, uh, currently a web app? I know you said you're working I, on Progressive Web App, but just is it currently uh, in that uh, zone right now? So it is currently, um, it's currently a native app. So it's available okay. for a Google Play Store and um, the the Apple Store as well. Um, so, you know, it's a free download to all the attendees because it is paid for in advance by whomever the host or sponsor is. And then we try and do a thing, we do a thing kind of called jargon jail when, when we use something that we think people might not fully understand. So just so uh, I'll take my crack at uh, the simple explanation of a progressive web app. But basically, it's a, it's a web app that for all intents and purposes looks and acts like a native app um, to the point where you can launch it, you know, from your start menu or whatever and things like that. Um, uh, but it is actually using web technology uh, to, to code it and to run it on the back end. Is that, is that a fair description? I mean, yeah, pretty much. I mean, the big reason why we want to do that is because, you know, an app download is not necessary. So like you can have uh, you can have someone who has downloaded an app and then a person who has launched the app in their Safari browser, for example, you know, be in the same mix together. It's just whatever preference they have. You know, right. when we first built Mixtros, it had to be a native app because web apps weren't the technology wasn't where it needed to be for Mixtros to start on a web app. Um, but now web apps have come like a really far away. So, you know, in future, somebody will be able to type in, you know, mixtros.com backslash Coca-Cola if that's who the event was with, and they would be able to pull up a very similar functionality to our app. Very good. And the other advantage to that is something that people have been trying to do for literally decades, which is write once, run everywhere. So you write the code once and it runs oh in all in all the different platforms and all the different stacks. It's so complicated. That's why I don't code. I do other things. <laughs> yeah, I totally understand. Okay, so the final question that I have for you is, um, uh, what is the craziest fun fact about you that you can think of that somebody might not? And I think you already touched on it, but I'll give you an opportunity. The, the, something that might, somebody might not suspect about you. Oh, man. That, I was going to say, that's an awesome question. Craziest fun fact that somebody might not expect about me. Um. You know what? I, how about I was a complete bad nerd in um, high school. You know, like obviously LeBron is a fun fact, but I was a complete bad nerd in high school um, to the fact that I was um, I didn't play an instrument, but I was in the color guard and I was in the winter guard. And like we competed nationally, like at one point, the winter guard that I was in, which this is essentially like being indoors, having a dance routine and like having a flag type situation. But we were 12th in the world um, at that. So, wow. <laughs> yes. So I took that very, very seriously when I was in um, when I was in high school. And then funnily enough, in college, I was a cheerleader. So I don't know. That's uh, that's tell you a little bit about my personality. I'm a little all over the place. I'm one of those people. I tell people all the time. 
I'm like a master of none, but when I figure out it's something I want to do, I just figure out how to do it. Like, I don't think I was born with any talent, really. Like, I think any any talent, because like, I'm kind of, you know, I'm left-handed. I'm kind of a klutz. Like, I fall sometimes. Like, you know, I, you know, I, I think I'm just that kind of goofy person. But um, when there's, like, if I, like, I got cut from cheerleading one time when I was in grade school and I was like, oop, never again. And it never happened again. I'm just one of those people. People like tell me what I need to figure out to get there or, you know, just give me the guidelines and I'll figure out how to get there. And I think that that has certainly served me well as an entrepreneur. Well, and that's something that Will and I have definitely talked about in the past is is the generalist versus specialist, mm-hmm. uh, wh- whether it comes to people or comes to companies as well. And uh, I, I personally am of the opinion that it's more fun to be a generalist uh, because you Absolutely. get to do you, you know, I, 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 I'm not good at basketball, but I can play basketball and it's much more fun to play basketball, uh, I think, uh, than to like, oh, I could never do that. And, you know, same with uh, any number of sports or activities, uh, you know, music, all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's definitely, I think, much more fun to be a general. Well, I was going to say, I just want to tell people I'm a total um, Game of Thrones nerd. And because of that, I figured out that I'm randomly pretty good at archery. So I would encourage everyone, if there's something you see that you want to do, just go do it. (laughs) I think that's a pretty fun fact too, is I'm randomly pretty good at archery. Yeah. And literally the reason is Game of Thrones. Like I was looking at Game of Thrones and I was like, I could do that. You know, <laughs> nice, nice. All right, well, uh, Ashley, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. I, I, I really wanted to share your story uh, with the audience today because I thought it was such a great example of another. You know, just another founding story, you know, because I think I want to mix these in every now and then, um, uh, you know, as as we kind of move along with this, uh, wh- whatever this little show is. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, because I think it's important for people to know um, uh, the, the journey that happens. You know, I have a million good ideas a day, but, you know, I, you know, having to actually bring it to fruition is the difference, right? That difference between, well, I thought of that, but I couldn't make it go. And, uh, and, and, actually making it go. So congratulations on actually making it go. Well, thank you so, so much. It was honestly a pleasure to be on and I will certainly be listening as you guys go and grow. And I'm just, you know, I'm looking forward to hopefully bringing another tool to your awesome audience here. Fantastic. Well, we want to thank you again for being here. We want to thank you all for listening and remind you that you can get a hold of us, uh, you know, at uh, at our, uh, you know, using hashtag event tech podcast on any of the socials. If you want to go old school and email us, I love how email is suddenly old school. <laughs> event tech podcast at hello endless.com. Uh, please do let us know what you think. Do you like these types of stories? Do you want to hear more of these types of stories? Uh, do you want me to stop using colorful metaphors uh, and then having the guests drop knowledge bombs after that? Um, let us know what what you think please 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 do and be sure and check us out at eventtechpodcast.com there you're going to see all the show notes links to any resources that we mentioned maybe we'll put a link to slack in there since that gets mentioned about once an episode uh transcripts <laughs> all the ums and ahs are available there uh don't forget also the links to subscribe there are going to be uh for your favorite podcast app I, I finally get to stop saying itunes i'm so happy about that so you can check out apple podcasts pocket cast google podcast spotify whatever platform you want to hear us on we want to be there so if there's a platform that we're not 
on, please do let us know. And then just a friendly reminder to please rate and review us on those because it does help people find the podcast. So once you do subscribe on the old Apple podcast, be sure and give it the five stars. If we don't get the five stars, please let us know. Use those, uh, use that event tech podcast at helloendless.com to let us know what we could be doing better. So thank you all so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time on the event tech podcast. Event tech out. Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.